Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's your host, John Scardina. I am so excited for this episode. We basically took a week off for the National Hurricane Conference, and we replayed an episode with Joe Hernandez, like basically the, the father of medical USAR, which was during the anniversary of the Oklahoma City bombing. And so we, we encourage you again to take a look back at that. But we're starting to move forward again. We're really excited to have the state director of Vermont, specifically of VEM, director Erica Borneman on the show. She has a lot of experience. In fact, right before we started recording, she was talking all about how she basically grew up through the ranks in emergency management. I really think this is great experience for you guys. And so we're going to be talking about that. She has definitely done it right. And so we're excited to have her on the show. Erica, welcome. Hi, John. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so let's let's dive right into it. I mean, you were talking about how several years ago you started in the, as an intern in the planning section, correct? Of VM. That's correct. I was a I was a poli sci major at Western New England College, and I didn't even know that emergency management was a thing. I had really never even strung together the two words emergency management, mm. and uh, I just happened to get a an internship with the city of Springfield, Massachusetts. Office of Emergency Preparedness, um, and it was it was a life changing experience. And uh, I and they said, you know, every state has an emergency management office. You should, when you go home for winter break, ask to take a tour of the state emergency operations center. And I said, that's a great idea. And I did, and just so happened to have my resume with me, and they immediately wanted to uh, to bring on an intern um, and it was it was such a, a it was a really fantastic experience because I got not only you know a more urban experience in emergency management at this at the city level um, and then I went to the state level in, uh, in, a, in a pretty rural state and and um, you know started building out some experience there um, plans you know I, I was a strong writer coming out of college, and mm. I went straight into my master's program while I was working full time. Um, and so that you know, I was I was a natural planner, and uh, and and so that was a really good fit for me. Um, mm. Kind of came up through the ranks, uh, worked in the radiological program while Vermont Yankee was still operating for uh, for a number of years. Um, uh, took on a, a leadership role with the planning section as the section chief. And um, and then spent uh, a couple of years as our uh, director's uh, chief of staff, and then uh, Governor Scott appointed me in 2017 as a, the director of emergency management. And I have been so blessed to uh, to be able to bring my passion for for helping Vermonters, um, and uh, especially on you know in on their worst day and after their worst day, um, and you know Vermont being my home state. I'm, I'm even more blessed because these are these are my friends and neighbors, and and I get to help them every time a disaster strikes. So there are so many things that you, you just said in there that I want to highlight, but let's pull <laughs> it back real fast because you're talking about being from Vermont. Now I'm I'm like full disclosure of like the seven people who live in the state. I know about thirty percent of them, and every single person I've met from Vermont, uh, you know, they they figured it out, like. People are just good people from Vermont. And so, um, you know, just like having that as your background alone, like gave me an extra two points of like, oh, no wonder she's she's good at what she does. You're talking about being a natural planner. 
I really found that for myself too. Like I, I worked in operations and planning and just having that like natural mindset of like how planning works in that strategic, you know, I wouldn't say mindset or, or vision going to has really helped me out. But in terms of the attributes of an emergency manager, especially now as the, the state director and you're working with all different types of sections, even the radiological section, which I want to dive into later, you know, can you talk about almost like the DNA of an emergency manager of like, what are the attributes like that will naturally help people propel in, in the field? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. And I know there's a lot of conversation about that right now because we're seeing a lot more people um, pursue emergency management as a career path, um, which is which is super exciting because of course that's what I did. And uh, not, not even knowing that's what I was doing, but I, uh, I have done that. And um, what I've learned in um, going on 16 years, uh, 16 years next year um, in uh, emergency management is that there, we're really looking for skill sets, um, not necessarily um, a specific background. I want to know that somebody can be a good critical thinker, can think outside of the box and be a problem solver. Um, I want to know that they can use technology these days. And it doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, a, a real tech guru. I just need to know that you can operate uh, efficiently with technology um, because that's what we're using. And, uh, and we need to be able to be creative with it. Um, I want to know that you can, can frankly be a hard worker and, and not be afraid to, to, to jump in and put yourself in something that might be a little bit of an uncomfortable situation. Working in an EOC is stressful. It's intimidating. People uh, come in to, you know, uh, external partners come into the, the EOC and they can be a little nervous until they get into the swing of it and go, oh, I can do this. So having somebody that can really jump in and um, and do it with focus and 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 understand how to to how to take their how to take direction and and make something from potentially minimal direction and really uh, accomplish the goal. Um, I know I'm asking for like probably what is like a unicorn. I just you know I want everything, but those <laughs> those are just some of the attributes that we're looking for. And if we can demonstrate uh, as a as a um, as somebody that's a candidate for a position that you are articulate um, both uh, in verbally and in writing, um, and that you are a critical thinker uh, and can think outside of the box, you're already three steps ahead of so many other candidates because oftentimes we can get into the um, and I hate to call it like a stick in the mud, but you don't want to become the stick in the mud that has to have every single thing mapped oh out. Oh my gosh. Procedures are important. They really are, but you cannot live and die by procedures. You have to be able to think outside of the box and, and, and be creative. Real quick, we're going to pause for this week's Disaster Tough endorsements. How do you spell Doberman Emergency Management? EOP, OEP, HVA, HMP, Thyra, TTX, Drone, PDA. Whenever you need an expert, Doberman Emergency Management field experts are there for support. Contact an expert at DobermanEMG.com today. The L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio solves problems and is specifically designed for emergency services. How do we know? We field tested it with medical, urban search and rescue in collapsed and confined structures. This radio is amazingly tough. Check out the L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio at l3harris.com right now. 
The Readiness Lab is trailblazing disaster readiness. Early access for the highly anticipated course, Emergency Management Response for Dynamic Populations is currently live. Think you have what it takes? Join us in Atlanta for an immersive experience. Space is limited to 40. Go to thereadinesslab.com forward slash training to learn more. Okay, let's jump back in. So we're not going to do this, but this really should be like our shortest podcast ever. I just want to take what you just said, the transcript, make it an article and like submit it to like every news organization I could possibly think of or magazine. It, it, I mean, everything you just said there is exactly how... Uh, I look at it as exactly like um, you know, Pete Gaynor um, has been a frequent flyer on our podcast. He wrote just an amazing article um, about emergency management 3.0 is what yeah. that's really what he should have called his article. But everything you just said there, it's like I just like want to like grab it and like give it to every candidate that I know because they're, you're talking about being three steps ahead of other candidates. You know, I run a private uh, company now. And I look at candidates. I look at resumes all the time. And I did it uh, when I was in FEMA. You know, we would hire local hires all the time when we go out these disasters. And you could tell, you know, what I would call the type one, type two, or type three mentality. Like, if people who are type three cannot get out of that, like, oh, I have a process. I was taught ICS in, in school. I have this form that I have to do, or I have to talk to this, or I, I don't have to talk to that stakeholder. That's not my job. And those people are slow. Like, they don't get the job done. You know, other people like yourself or like uh, Patrick McGinn, uh, another person who's been on the show, Kevin Coleman, Andy, Andy, um, Andy John, Ashley Loria Golden. People who who have been on here who say similar things, um, what I would say they're they're kind of like the people who don't get tired. Like even if you're exhausted, you you don't you can still perform at an optimal level. Mm-hmm. And so again, everything you just t- you just said right there, just like want to like yes, like everybody re- just replay this episode right now. Everything she just said three times, and then continue to the next part. You're talking, I, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound like you know. Like, it's great to have energizer bunnies. Um, the critical thinking also is about being able to think strategically about what you're trying to accomplish. And um, yeah, and you, it's you don't just go around the rabbit hole. Yeah. Right. And so it's finding different lanes to get there. So there are moments where thinking strategically mm-hmm. about the best method to accomplish the, that goal is what's necessary. Um, mm. But, but, when I say we need critical thinkers to do that, we need people that can find those other lanes to get to the same goal and not just use the same old methods that frankly don't work anymore. That's correct. The The methods of the past don't work. Like there's a reason why uh, emergency management truly is an infancy and which, uh, which makes me want to ask you a question. I'm going to put you on the spot here. If I ask a hundred emergency managers, and for the people who listen to this so frequently, they might die a little bit inside of this. But if I ask a hundred emergency managers what's the definition of emergency management, I might get a hundred different answers. But because you just led with like this great segment, if you had to give your definition of emergency management, it, what it should be rather than what it was, what would you say your definition is? Oh gosh, um, I you know. 
you're gonna make me say a sentence <laughs> <laughs> okay i'll give i'll give you one caveat though you can't say the words whole community if i hear another definition with um, whole community in it i might die inside yeah it's no but you know what the word the word that is used a lot is coordination and i and i know people it's a it, it can be a little bit of a cliche word but um find me a, find me a better word for the hub on the wheel and mm -hmm. um and the the center point of uh of, of everything you know pre pre during and after disasters yeah. and um and that is what emergency management is and i think um for there's emergency management requires an inherent trust in us to do really good coordination work mm -hmm. um because it can be a little bit intimidating for, or, you know, um, and I don't know if that's the right, even the right word, but um, it, it may take a little bit of time to gain trust from an external partner to come into the EOC and kind of, they can feel like they're kind of giving up some of their authority when they're not truly at all. Um, but when they fully understand what an emergency man, what emergency management is and does and the value of it, um, it's then, then that builds the trust and then it allows the system to work in that hub and spoke model, which is so important for emergency. So that's not a definition, but I, <laughs> I really, <laughs> so the, um, you said that you said the magic word and the magic word is coordination. Um, I've had I've had to sense update my definition. I actually used to use this for emergency management. Now I'm going to use it for emergency services. So my definition of emergency services is the protection of life, property, and continuity of operation. And emergency management is the strategic coordination of emergency services. Hmm. And and if you really like, if you can't articulate, John. Well, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to get hired at VEM, and so. Um, <laughs> No, but like, but I've I've thought about it a lot, and I've I've been on these these forums and these conversations, and um, we you get these massive definitions, and they become redundant. But yeah, the the emergency manager should be the hub, and um, I I get like, uh, I I've been using this phrase too much on this podcast. Speaking of art articulation, is dying inside. But like when people say emergency management is public safety. They negate all the emergency managers who work for campuses, who work for organizations. I worked for a hospital system, for example, in D.C. 10 years ago. And so I, I think we have to pull away from this is ju not just government. Obviously, government has a, its place. But I've had, again, not, not trying to like be that guy, but like three FEMA admins all admitting on the show that most of FEMA doesn't do emergency management. So why are we calling FEMA you know, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, when only a, a small segment does that. And really, state organizations do much more EM because they get the funding, the grants from FEMA, and then they actually do something with it. And so I like to call FEMA the IRS of disasters. And again, former FEMA guy, I love FEMA. But, you know, if you're, if you're going through the ranks here and you're working in planning, radiation, you know, uh, you know, working with the state, working directly with stakeholders who are coordinating all that stuff, then yeah, like the state really is that hub, or or whatever organization you're working with is that hub. So this is kind of my my thought process. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's very thought provoking and um, an interesting an interesting perspective on um, you know the work that the FEMA does. I think 
um, when, when you made the point about public safety and that emergency management is public safety, um, I think it diminishes the work of our hazard mitigation folks. Oh my gosh. All yeah. of our intelligence analysts and, um, all, and we don't want to diminish prevention, uh, you know, above it, you know, we don't, we cannot be diminishing hazard mitigation and prevention to response. And, and, you know, frankly, yeah. I think we have, we have evolved as a profession. When I first started, there was a lot of emphasis on response. It was, mm. there was, that was where most of our employees were. We spent a lot of emphasis on making sure that our, um, our, uh, uh, our folks were really trained in the EOC to be able to respond. But you know what? The, and that's very important. Well, we don't spend the majority of our time responding. We That's right. The majority of our time preventing and preparing and mitigating disasters. <laughs> so yeah. we cannot we, we cannot diminish that role. And um and I, I'm I'm happy to see, I think, you know, when you look at FEMA, I think when you look at a lot of other state emergency management offices and at the local level as well, um, the role of your of your mitigators and the role of your, you know, intelligence analysts and your planners is really elevate has been elevated i think over the past you know 15 years at least the, since i've been in um and there's a i think an acknowledgement of the importance of their work yeah i agree i have also heard that coop and uh, business impact assessments are, are not em and you're like hey if if again emergency services and coordinating that is life property continuity of operations how do you know how many people are you're supposed to help how do you know how much property is going to be impacted? How do you know what business functions have to run without data? And anal again, I, I'm a former GIS unit leader, so I love data. I'm a big data guy. But to cut out situational awareness, to cut out mitigation, which is, you know, it's again, this is a kind of a repeat episode a little bit, some, some of these phrases, but disaster tough. Like, I'm tired of resiliency, people thinking like the goal is to be resilient. That should be a function. Resiliency is should be a byproduct of all the other things that you're doing. You can't be resilient if you don't have plans and products and supply chain and everything else in place to be able to be resilient. It just it doesn't come out of thin air. But well, if you do I mean, all as your as much as we try and measure it, there's really no good measure of resilience um, because that's we another land, yeah. We can't even land on a common definition. So. Um, you know, yeah. I, you're right. It's, it's a byproduct. Um, and it's a, it's a goal to work towards, but I don't, I don't know that, you know, full resilience, it may be too lofty. We have to be more resilient, but full resilience, it may be too lofty and it, it's, it's just much more nuanced than that. Yeah. I, I, I'm kind of tired of the subjective ideas. Like we should be able to define exactly what we do and how we do it. And uh, take, I, I'm, I'm a, I push back on cookie cutter, but I'm a big fan of template. Like it, you shouldn't just plug in and not think. But if your template is essentially working with stakeholders and, and making sure your supply chain and and mitigating known hazards based off of data, not just opinion, then you you can actually start pushing the needle to to all these different areas. And lo and behold, when you do response. You inherently are more resilient because you're you're making that disaster tough decisions. You're 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 able to push back on the disaster. Building codes, the fact that building codes, which is essentially mitigation, 
isn't like the leader when people who work on building codes, it's like the number one reason why Japan didn't have um, buildings falling down during a 9.0 earthquake and uh, Fukushima disaster. And it was really a, a tsunami and or, um, you know, a, a people problem. You know, building codes work. And yet we, we focus on response. Now, my, my, one, my one pushback on all of that is that I do hear some say that emergency managers shouldn't be in response. And, and we can't take out the word emergency out of emergency management. Like we still need to focus on everything reducing that emergency, but we need to be able to act when there's an emergency, right? Well, gosh, I've never heard that before. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I've, uh, I, I could replay you some of the episodes. And I love those people who've been on the, the, on the show. I, in fact, everybody has great points, but I've heard a couple people on this show specifically say, we shouldn't be in response anymore. And you're like, hey, wait. <laughs> yeah, like, hold I mean, up. <laughs> I, I just, I'll, I'll point to... I'll just I'll point to examples and, and maybe maybe this is maybe I just need to dig into this some more because I now I need to pull this that thread apart a little bit but mm. um, you know how like our role in response is, is is I think very critical especially when you talk about the fact that our core mission in response is to provide support to the incident command elements in the field right yes and so uh, and we get this I get this question a lot well who's Who's in command of those um, of those uh, of those resources? We assign them to the element in the field, and they're in command. And and then and then we take them back when they demobilize, <laughs> because there's a there's a resource prioritization that happens based on requests, and 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 you mobilize your assets. They they go under the command of uh, of folks that need them on the ground, and then they come back. And I I mean that may be it's probably oversimplifying it, but our core role is to provide support wherever that may be: situational awareness, um, uh, um, actual assets, logistical support, um, and to do it in a coordinated fashion so that we're not duplicating efforts. And we've seen this we've seen it a lot. We see it in every event, every event, there's still duplicated efforts. There's less and less as um, emergency management as a function is out in front and uh, folks understand the value, but it still happens. You know, you still have, you know, X person calling Y person because they've got a relationship and that's fine. But that mean, that really underscores the importance of why we need to um, have those relationships before the, before the disaster so that we can cut down on that redundancy and duplication of efforts. And frankly, you know, all of those, all of what I just described puts people's life at risk. You know, you have a slower response when you're not efficient and you're not coordinated. You're putting people's lives at risk. You're putting their recovery at risk. So um, I, I just, I mean, I'm, I'm the, I'm the passionate um, <laughs> emergency manager uh, and that, that understands and, uh, and, um, and, and will always hold the doctrine dear. Um, I've seen how disasters that are, uh, that are not coordinated where you didn't have an, an emergency coordination element um, across multiple agencies can just, cannot work well. And, uh, and I've seen when, yeah. it, when it works really well. I was uh, deployed to um, a, a very small um, flooding event that happened to have a uh, 
while we were there, right before we we deployed a tornado hit a, another small community. And so it turned out to be pretty good that we we went there. But we were a federal team and the locals didn't want to work together. And so we went out there essentially to to play nice and to help. And we were much more capable than w- what was required and, and very costly. But it was like, hey, guys, like you're on the same team. Like uh, it's it all comes down to the survivor. I've also seen it firsthand, and uh, you know, working with NGOs uh, before my federal time, and it's like, it, every my gosh, like again, I just like want to take this episode. You're you're saying all the right stuff, and um, like emergency management in that truest form is coordination. And you have a catastrophic disaster. I like to tell my first responder counterparts, like when I go to USAR training, uh, I I help out and teach them like what EM is. I said that the role of an emergency manager in your job is to get the debris out of your way so that you can do your job. Um, The other thing you're talking about, like who has the authority? I've said this several times. uh, It's like the the big joke is that emergency management isn't a a manager because they don't have the authority. And it's like it's like the biggest trick in the book is like, oh, you're the manager, so we think you have the authority. But really, like what you just said, like when you hand over the resources. I, I say it in probably a, a I want to say a, a, a dumber way, but a, a simpler way is it's like I treat adults like adults. Like you hire and work with competent people who are experts in, in what they do. I I'm not their expert; they're the expert, and so I'm going to I'm going to make sure that they have the resources that they can function with and work with them in that in that win win environment. And uh, case in point: Hurricane Harvey versus Hurricane Maria. Largest hurricane in U.S. history knocked it out of the park because you had an entire team of very competent people versus uh, a very passionate team, but inexperienced team that didn't know what they were doing and they ended up getting fired, right? Because like they were just too slow and it hurt the survivors. And so like they had to kind of reset. Um, so again, you're saying all the right stuff there. Yeah, I mean, I think that your point about authority is one that I, I want to expand on a little bit more, too. Um, I, I am currently the, the sitting president of the National Emergency Management Association. And um, and this is something that our, my counterparts as state directors talk about um, quite a bit is uh, authority. And it's very, very important that your uh, your laws and your policies are really clear about the authority of the emergency manager. In Vermont, it, it's very clear that uh, the, the director of emergency management as delegated to our commissioner of public safety has the authority to, and is charged with, um, you know, deploying those assets and, and, and ensuring that there's a coordinated disaster response. Um, it can be, it's, it can be a lot more nuanced than that because you know you get egos involved and then all it all goes to to crap. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you're talking but, about like you know, old school versus new. Is really is really important. Yeah, absolutely. And you're talking about uh, old school versus new school. Old school of like command and control, like I have to have all the authority versus yeah. coordinate and collaborate, which is like so. Uh, I was talking to Patrick McGinn again. I got just brought up. We were talking about how in Free Guy, how he went and take took off the glasses of the person he needed to get the glasses from, and we're like, "Oh, that's the emergency manager." Like we're asking politely, but we're just going to do it anyways. Like we're just still gonna, we're, like we know our mission, right? So we're going to get it no matter what. We're and, asking politely, but we also have the authority to absolutely. Protect. 
<laughs> and your your authority. We don't, get anywhere by doing that. we don't get anywhere by doing that. We don't get anywhere by saying you you must do this. I mean, and I've had I've I've, I've seen emergency managers that are like that, and they just you you. It's like that old saying: you attract more flies with honey, <laughs> um, yeah. and and you can accomplish a lot more when when everybody sees the value. And that's that's what I try and emphasize. Um, mm. in, you know, when we're doing exercises or we're, when we're doing uh, when we're in response in the EOC is that you know we in emergency management we can't do our job without the help and um, and the work of all of the other agencies that are at the table. We are in a team. This is a yes. team. Um, we may be the stewards of that team, oh, good um, but but we don't. But we are not. You know, and 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 if needed, we can. Uh, if somebody wants to be obstinate, we can. We have the authority to pull that thread. Mm. We don't need to get there. There's really no need to. I know that sounds really pie in the sky and somewhat naive. Oh, I don't think it does. Yeah, it works. It works for us. <laughs> well, the so. the authority gets you in the room, and you don't have to pull the card unless you have to. Like again, the best emergency manager is is almost like a let's say a salesman, but like somebody who can uh, understand like the mission and get people on their on the side to be able to coordinate. Again, that that word of the, of the episode, all I like what you said, like hub and spoke, like all that stuff that happens to happen. There's not a single group who can do it, and I've seen it as well. Man, there was this bullheaded guy that would always try to do that, and then he was he would wonder why, like he couldn't get the things done that he wanted to, even though he had the authority. It's because people just didn't care. Like, hey, like I, I have a hundred, I have a hundred other things to do. There's people out there being impacted. I have something I can do to help them. I don't. I don't care about you. And like they didn't make the time versus other people who really invested in people and those relationships with people. And uh, man, Rodney Melsick, all the authority in the world, for example. And man, it's it's weird watching him. Like he would, um, like people like would bend over backwards ever everywhere he went to help him and to do what. And he would just kind of like nudge everyone along. And you would never assume that he was. Again, he was he also was an A type personality either, which is very rare for our industry. But like he just wanted to help him. And he was uh he was very good at getting the job done because of that. And that's kind of what you're talking about. Again, you got you have to have the authority, you have to have the the politician to either give you delegations of authority or whomever. But probably I mean, shouldn't use that card, right? I think one of the one of the um key characteristics, especially of an emergency management leader, and we talk about emergency managers, but an emergency management leader has has to be an empathetic leader. They have to have emotional intelligence and um, and they have to be able to understand and use intuition to understand how to get the best results. Um, that's harder <laughs> yeah. to develop. That's not something that's inherent in everybody. Um, but I I mean I I have so many uh, uh, directors and emergency managers across the country that I get to work with on a daily basis in my in my NEMA role, and they are just amazing role models of, of empathetic leaders that lead by example, that just set the um, set the path, and they've hired the right people, and they are 
um, empowering them to do something great. And, and I think that's really important for um, emergency managers of the future and our next generation that's coming in because that's, they, they're there to help people. People get into emergency management because they want to help people. And yes. so if we, are, if we are, as emergency management leaders, putting stumbling blocks and finding every single reason to say no, we're not going to get results. And then we can't wonder why we didn't get results. Oh, don't you love that? That's like my favorite thing. Like, oh, why did this happen? It's like, well, you you push back on every every idea or every concept, even data. Like, maybe this is kind of a fun, funny way to end the episode. But like, I get so much. I love how you started off by talking about like data and situational awareness and and mitigation of and in these ideas and intelligence. Intelligence, to be honest, in emergency management is much further behind the curve than where it could be. If we look at our first responder or even military counterparts who come into the field and they have so much intelligence at their disposal and intelligence units, you know, uh, I was working on a project that used artificial intelligence to, to figure out through aerial imagery how much damage in real time a disaster would be. Uh, compare that to like the ground, ground teams who are doing like PDAs, like preliminary damage assessments and how long that takes and that, that validation process versus like what we could do. And so... You're hitting on all pistons here again. Uh, you're talking about that the next level emergency manager, the the next round of emergency managers who are coming through. Um, again, I don't think what you're talking about is being a unicorn. I think it's uh, you know you, you, your word, right? Uh, you should you should as a listener of this podcast really be taking a lot of this in. You know when um, when we're talking about like these concepts, these ideas that the type of people we're looking for, people who can collaborate with other people, people who are getting the authority but not having to use it, people who are are, are great at building relationships and understanding a plan and strategic vision and reducing impacts of disaster but can go when a disaster hits. Again, th those are all the attributes of a humanitarian who happens mm -hmm. to like emergency management and which is really who we should be. Um as a leader yourself, um, I don't know if I should call you just director or director Borneman, but Erica, um, Erica <laughs> I don't know. It sounds. I like how you like just like quietly just like drop that you're the president of NEMA too. That's pretty awesome. Um, it shows that that you're the real deal. As a leader, trying to give advice to or providing advice to the next uh, next round of potential leaders out there. If you're going to end this podcast about talking about what it takes to be a leader, what would you tell them? You know, I, uh, I, I've hit on some of the, some of the items, um, before and I've, and, and, um, I'll just emphasize again, um, the emotional intelligence needed to be a good leader. Um, you know, this being, being a leader is about setting an example. And I, I've had some really great mentors that really just drove that, um, at that point home that they walk in every day um, and they are and, and you want to emulate who they are you want you would go to bat for them you would go to the end of the earth for them um, and uh, and and they didn't even they didn't even try really they didn't even they didn't look like they tried because they were good people and they cared about you and I think that's 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 really really inherent. That's really important. Um, it's something that I try and emulate. Not not always good at it. Not every not everybody's good. At it. Mm -hmm. um, but they are. You know that's 
that's that's the the leader I try to be, and that's the type of leader I look for um, with our with our team of of, of um, my deputy and section chiefs. Um, you know, those are the those are the people we're trying to get them to manage to the individual, um, and it can be hard when you have a when you have a big shop. I don't have a big a really big shop. I have the uh, luxury of being able to you know really establish those relationships with with individuals and that's what's important from a supervisor manager leader is is understanding what your employee needs what your people need and then um, and then opening the path uh, and empowering them to do it man talk about mic drop moment the um, <laughs> yeah I would kind of like to end with that we at Doberman Emergency Management, every new hire has to go through this new packet, new hire packet. And in the new hire packet, it talks about how we judge success in our company. And we talk about three attributes. We talk about ambition. We talk about high intelligence. And the third one is following a personal moral code. Mm-hmm. And um, if you do those three things in our company, or I would believe at, at VEM or any other organization that has integrity, then you're going to start to establish yourself as somebody who can who can get the job done and uh, lead people. Uh, those three things uh, again. At the end of the day, I, I almost want to figure out how Amin, um for our producer is uh, going to figure out the name of this episode. It's going to be about some, like good people, you know, Director Borneman, good people. Um, <laughs> but like uh, you know, you, you you also like again a last feather to your cap. You're from Vermont, which everybody I know from Vermont is a good person. You know, you grew up through the ranks. You've been doing this for a while, and and you're holding your own, and you're saying the right things. So you got those those three things for going for you. And then we're gonna go a nice shout out to Zach Borst, who said, "Hey, please uh, have her on the show." And he's good people. He he follows those three attributes as well that we just talked about. And so, yeah. um, again, Erica, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking to me. I would like you to be a frequent flyer yourself because you're saying all the right stuff. And maybe we can uh, drill into some of those other areas um, when we have you back. I would love that, John. Thank you so much for having me. This is a great conversation. Okay, everybody. If you like this episode, here's our shameless plug. You got to give us a five-star rating and subscribe. Let us know in all of our social media posts, whether it's Disaster Tough on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you go. Put a comment in saying what you liked a question you might have. If you have a specific question for Erica or for the field, put it in those comments. If you have something that you would like to send her, that you have a, you, you want to work at VEM, for example, you're like, hey, I'm a leader. I would like to work there. Send us an email at contact at the readinesslab.com. Again, that's contact at the readinesslab.com. And we'll send it over to her uh, for her review. And hopefully we just landed another leader at uh, VEM. So we'll take it from there and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.